Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Welcome to the Local Church, a perfect place for imperfect people. I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. Church Familia, it's so good to be back in this place. Church Familia online at Everglades Correctional. So grateful that we can come today to spend time together in the presence of God. And, and so I just want to say this as we begin. Happy New Year. I'm going to keep on saying Happy New Year. Man, I love that. Listen, we say Merry Christmas all throughout the month of December. I'm going to continue to say Happy New Year, even though it's the second week of January. And I don't care if you messed up. I don't care if you broke your resolution already. Chances are you probably already did so. Chances are by the 21st, 85% of you would have broken your resolution. But I serve a God whose mercies are new every single morning. Amen. And so if you've messed up in the new year already, here's a message I want to say to you today. Let go and let God. We've heard that before, haven't we? Of course we have. Maybe you've even said that to someone. So, someone's going through a difficult situation. I can't handle this. It's, it's, it's too much on my plate. These people are driving me crazy. And we spat off this beautiful phrase. Hey, you know what you should do? You should let go and let God. Like, what does that mean, Elsa? How do I let go and let God? Does that even work? If it does, how do I do that? And this phrase, like many other things that Christians like to say, it sounds good, but we don't actually put it into practice and we don't experience the power of what it actually means to let go to God and for God to let go of all that he has upon us. And just like so many things we talk about, we don't get to experience its power. Now, as we begin today, let, let me just start off by saying this. This phrase, letting go and letting God, we don't explicitly see that in God's word. That's not something in red letters. Jesus didn't say that in Matthew, okay? This is just a phrase that Christians have, have begun to say, but, but the roots of it, the framework of it is found in God's word. But in order for us to let go and then let God go and do what only God can do as we release upon him, it takes some effort on our part. So we're gonna learn to release Turn to two people, tell them, release. release. Two people, two people, say it one more time. Release. Go to the person you like and then the person that you didn't really choose. Release, 2022 is our year of release. And that's why we're starting this teaching series. We, we wanna start this year and thread everything into this year of what it means to actually let go to God, our part to play, the effort that we put in to, to release to God, to surrender to God, to let go to God. And when we do that, his promise is that he releases upon us. When we let go to God, God lets go upon us, his presence, his passion, his provision, his protection. How many of us want that in 2022? Man, I want God to release upon me all that he wants to release upon me. And so as we begin, here's where we need to start. I've titled today's teaching, The Mind Released. We need to start here in our heads. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter one. You can follow along on the screens. I hope you've downloaded the app. We got some notes to take. This, if all this is is just me proclaiming things and you're not putting into practice, it is pointless. So Romans chapter 12, verse one, here's what God's word says. 
Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, if I could summarize the essence of what Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 12, it would be this, and I want you to write this down. This is key for us today in this year. Here's what it is. Our lives won't change by trying to change our lives. Our lives change when we learn to change our mind. Let me say that again. Our lives won't change by trying to change our lives. If our lives could change by changing our lives, our lives would have changed by now, right? If, if you trying to live out your New Year's resolution was just based upon doing your New Year's resolution, you would have kept it by now. But changing our lives doesn't change our lives, so we have to find another way to change our lives, and the Bible tells us how. Our lives change when we learn how to change our minds. In other words, the external actions of my life are not nearly as important for transformation than the internal condition of my mind. If we want to change our lives, we have to learn to change our minds because where our mind goes, the rest of our life follows. So let me paint this out to completion. Romans 12.1, Paul says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice. See, when we have this idea of letting go and letting God, a lot of us what, what, what we think about is actually unbiblical. We get this idea of, I'm just gonna do nothing and whatever happens, happens. But that's not what letting go to God is. It's, it's not whatever happens, happens. Que sera, sera. I'm just gonna sit here and do nothing. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice, not God, just do whatever you want. But, but a living sacrifice, one that is, that is active, that is proactive. One of our values here is that faith happens here. That, that, that giving God all of who I am by releasing to God all of my life, that's the greatest gift that I can give to him. He says, I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And then he proceeds to tell us how we can do it in verse two. He says this, he says, do not be conformed. Say conformed. He says, do not be conformed to this world. That word conform, it means to form according to a mold or pattern. In fact, another translation says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Now, does anyone know what this is? You know what it is, shout it out. It's Plato, okay? This has lasted the test of time. Kids got iPads and Bluey and Xboxes, but we still play with Plato. How many of us remember playing with Plato growing up? Our kids in Kid Street right now, they're learning lessons about Jesus on their level, playing with Plato. Plato was amazing. I used to eat this stuff. It smells so salty. And it's just like, oh, it's, but, but I remember as a little kid, you had this idea that, that you could make beautiful things, that you could make really creative uh, elements from this Plato, especially if this Plato was put in a master builder's hand. Now, how many of us made incredible things out of Plato by show of hands? Yeah, liars. Yeah, yeah, right. No, we all made snakes. That's what we did. We just, that's all we could do. We just roll it out. Maybe if you're advanced, you'd make it into like a pretzel. You're preparing for a lifestyle at Auntie Anne's or whatever it is. But like, 
many of us, we couldn't make anything intricate out of Play-Doh. And you'd look at the box. Remember looking at the box? You're like, how do you make that? How do you make a cheeseburger with like yellow cheese and then green lettuce and red tomatoes? And then there's sesame seeds on the bun? Like, how do you do that? And how you could accomplish that which was on the box, which the creator intended it to look like, even though we didn't have capable creative hands. How could we create those things? With a mold. Do you remember that? These, these play kits, they wouldn't just come with Play-Doh, they would come with a mold in there. And what you would do is you would take the Play-Doh and you would press it into the mold. And as the mold added pressure to the Play-Doh, it would conform to the pattern within it. And so what was left, you, you take that Play-Doh out, you have your little snake that you rolled out, but when you put it into the mold, it, it conforms to the pattern and not all of a sudden you have Iron Man. Now all of a sudden you have a Star Wars figure or you have that banana or you have that, that hamburger because it was formed and conforming to a pattern that was applied by outside pressure. Here's a point I'm trying to make. If we're trying to look like Jesus, but we're conformed to the world, we're not going to look like Jesus. I know this isn't the sexy New Year's sermon that some of you wanted to hear. Like, I'm trying to look better. I'm trying to act better. I'm trying to get richer. I'm trying, I, I want a, a new you in 2022 sermon. That's what I want. Listen, I'm not here to try to teach us how we can look better according to the patterns of this world. I can't tell you how to become famous. I can't tell you how, how to have six pack abs or, or how to make the outside any difference. But what I can tell you is how we can begin to look like Jesus. And when we look like Jesus, everything else in our life transforms. We can't change our lives by trying to change our lives. We can't look the way that God wants us to look, be the way the creator intended us to live if we're being molded and conforming to the patterns of this world. But if we can re release the longing to look like the world and learn to release who we are so that God can release upon us what he wants to do, if we can let go of our lives and present them as a living sacrifice that God can do whatever he wants to do, everything else in your life changes. Everything else follows. God releases upon us everything that we need and we are left actually completely transformed. Not just feeling better, not just looking better, but actually transformed. Romans 12, 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This isn't a remodeling, okay? This isn't a re-putting together. This is a complete remaking of who we are. When we release our lives to him, he makes us completely new. Now, I can see some of your faces, you're like, yeah, 
I got Jesus. I know this. I'm good. I've been following Jesus for, for a long time already. I know I'm a new creation. And you, you want to dismiss what we're going to talk about. But you need to understand that, that Romans was written to followers of Jesus. Paul is saying to people who say, I've already surrendered my life to Jesus. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Meaning that there are some followers of Jesus who still have the hands of the world forming who they are. He says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Meaning that there are some followers of Jesus who have not fully experienced transformation on this side of eternity. Yes, your forever has been secured. Yes, he's preparing a place for you. But on this side of eternity, there are still some followers of Jesus who have not experienced complete transformation because we can't change our lives by trying to change our lives. It begins in the mind. The only way that we can see actual transformation in all of our lives is if this begins to influence this. This is the essence of sanctification. Say sanctification. We're going to be talking through some Bible terms today. I don't want you to miss it because you're bored with the terms. See, the Bible talks about salvation, and this is what salvation is. When you surrender, when you release your life to Jesus, he saves you in an instant. That's what salvation is. And at the moment of salvation, the moment saying, Jesus, take my life, it is yours. Now the Spirit of God comes in and, and gives us a new spirit, awakens our spirit, gives us a new heart, and that's called regeneration. So we have salvation and regeneration. Again, don't get bored at these terms. I have a point. We have salvation which happens in an instant. We have regeneration by the Spirit of God that happens in an instant. But sanctification, that takes some time. The Spirit of God can save me just like that. But for my life to be transformed takes some time because he has to do some things up in my head. Our spirit is new, our heart is new, but our mind is not new just yet. It has not fully been sanctified. It takes time. I wish when we surrendered our life to Jesus that our thinking about resources would immediately change. Can you think of everything that we could do for the kingdom of God in South Florida if everyone's money, mind was on their money about, I'm going to be generous and I'm going to use this to, to build up the kingdom. But it doesn't happen instantly. It takes time. Our perspective on, on dealing with people, on relationships, doesn't change instantaneously the moment that we surrender to Jesus. It happens over time. The way that we, that we deal with people who hurt us, I wish that all of a sudden, Jesus, you forgave me, I can forgive them and everything is good. But no, it happens. It takes some time to sanctify that behavior. You give your life to Jesus and someone says, well, I don't like you anymore. And how do we respond? I don't like you either. Good. You hurt me. I'm going to hurt you. This is our pattern of behavior. Why? Because this is the pattern that the world has displayed to us. This is the pattern of the world that we have held on to. And now it's become subconscious. Now we don't have to think about it anymore. It just becomes a natural part of who we are. Again, our, our mind 
has not been yet sanctified, even though our heart and our spirit is. And this is why a lot of people are conflicted. Because they have new desires here, but they still have the old desires in their heads. These are the patterns that we've been living in, that we've allowed to to mold us. Everyone, we think in patterns. If something bad happens, our mind goes into a pattern, whether it's positive or negative, depending on what we've held onto. And if, if we've held on to things that are negative, then our mind goes into a negative pattern. Immediately, subconsciously. It's become a part of who we are by practice. So we need to change our mind if we want to change our actions. Do do you remember when you first started driving? Can anyone go back to that time? I mean, just think of it. You're learning how to drive. And what did you do? You put your hand on 10 and 2 because that's what everyone told you. You kept your eyes at the road. You were tense. You were serious. You're checking all your mirrors. You're going slow. If you're going to make a left turn, what do you do? You look and you, uh, then you put on your clicker and then you slow down to make the left turn because you're so cautious, right? No, you don't slow down. You speed up. But now, now if you've been driving for some time, now it's become subconscious. Now you you get in and everything's already where it needs to be. And you're driving with one hand. You got to turn left. You take a little peek. You just turn. You're from Hialeah. You don't even turn on your clickers, man. You You just take it. Because it's become subconscious. You don't even think about it anymore. We have to understand this. See, many of our problems in our lives is because of subconscious patterns of thinking. It's just become who we are because we put it into practice so often. And this, this is one of the main reasons why people are angry in the church and at the church. Because they don't understand these two realities. That you can be saved but, but not get sanctified. And that's a process. And this is why people will get frustrated at people in the church and at church. Like, you've been following Jesus for how many years? But yet you're still so mean? It doesn't make sense. They don't understand this reality of this process of sanctification. This is why someone could, could say, you're so committed You're so present when it comes to worshiping God, but yet you're no different than anyone else in our family who doesn't follow Jesus. How does that make sense? Because sanctification takes time. And it begins with the mind. Paul says, if you want this to be new, it needs to be sanctified. If you want to be transformed, this needs to change first. Romans 12, 1 again. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I'm giving myself to God. Don't be conformed to this world. I'm releasing to him, not to the world. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And then it says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, this is one of the most important parts of the entire passage, but many of us overlook it because we don't understand the order in which it is communicated. 
Now, just keep that up right there. You see a comma, you see a, a period. We see all this punctuation, but the original language, the Greek did not have punctuation in it. That was added by the translators for readability. But what the punctuation is there for is to help us understand that there is a progressive pattern here. And we don't see it so clearly so I want to read it from another translation to see if you can catch it. Romans 12, 2 from the NIV. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, exactly, Eric. Then. He says, then. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He says, then. After your mind is renewed, then you can prove, then you can put to test what God's will is, how it is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, what I'm about to say, I'm saying from a place of love. I'm not here to, to blame people, to, to, to make people seem like victims, to say it's your fault. I'm saying this from a place of love. One of our values is hope happens here, that I can be Whatever God wants me to be, no matter who I used to be, that is my story. Standing in front of you is an imperfect idiot, okay? God uses a donkey every single week to communicate his word just like he did in the Old Testament, okay? Now with that, here's what I want you to understand. Some of us, we are trying to test God's will in our life when we are not in a position to do so because our mind has not been renewed yet. Practically, here's what this means. We, we say, I've tried all this, but it hasn't worked. I prayed about these things, but I don't see the answer. And the reason it doesn't work is not because God's word is not true. It's because your mind has not been renewed yet. Paul says that, that, that you cannot make an accurate assessment about whether or not something is true, something is good, until your mind has been renewed. Then you'll be able to test. Then you'll be able to approve. Another translation says to prove that his will is right. Your mind first needs to be renewed, but so many of us, we try to put God's word to to test and try to, to prove it to other people when our mind has not been renewed, when we haven't learned to release the cause of our anxiety to experience so that his word will be tested, proven in our lives. And so we go around and we, we say things after we're so pumped up and, and so excited to be in church and we say, no weapon formed against me will prosper. And then someone says, prove it. No weapon formed against you will prosper. You seem pretty agitated with the tweets. That seemed to hurt you pretty bad. Prove it. But we haven't learned to release the cause of our, of our anger, of our frustration, of our attacks. We'll, we'll tell people who don't know Jesus, if you surrender your life to Jesus, he'll give you peace that surpasses your understanding. They're saying, oh yeah? Well, prove it then. Because you're freaking out about the same the situation the same way that I am. Prove it. You don't have peace. We can say things like, 
Let go and let God. You got an issue? Hey, just let go and let God. But because we haven't consistently and cognizantly released that cause to God, released to him our lives, we don't experience the proof of his goodwill in our life. It has not been proven in our life yet. And furthermore, our, our witness is not what it could be because we are proclaiming things that we have not proven and put into practice in our own lives. Paul says, you want transformation. You want renewal. It happens in your mind first. After your mind has been renewed, then you'll be able to test. Then you'll be able to prove that God's will is good and perfect and in your life. But it first needs to be renewed. But let me tell you, when the mind becomes renewed, then God lets go upon you. Then you see the impossible. When your mind is renewed, then you can walk out on the water even though waves are crashing into the boat. When your mind becomes renewed, your resources might be buried, died, your, your relationships, your life even, be put in a tomb. But three days later, it will rise because he can bring resurrection where devastation has come so often in so many other people's lives when your mind is renewed. It starts with your mind. So what is this renewed mind? I want you to write this down. A renewed mind is set on the spirit instead of the flesh. See, I'm, I'm not talking rocket science here. This is simple, and it proves to be powerful if we put it into practice. A renewed mind is set on the spirit instead of the flesh. Romans 8, 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. L let me flip it around and change the words so you can better understand it. If you want to be filled with faith, then you have to fill your mind with things that will grow your faith. But, but if you're constantly filling your mind with things that lead to anger and anxiety, that's the way you're going to walk in this life. There's two types of minds we can have. One that is spiritual and one that is carnal. And they affect the way we live. In Dr. Caroline Leaf's book, Switch on Your Brain, she mentions this, this pretty simple but yet profound idea that the brain affects the mind, but the mind also affects the brain. So we understand the first part of it. The brain affects the mind. If you have an aneurysm, if you have a fall and you bump your head or a concussion, oftentimes it affects your mind, it affects your thinking, it affects your memory, it affects the way you process information. And we understand that, but she says that the mind also has a profound impact on the brain. And this is called neuroplasticity. And it's about how, how, how your actions and the patterns that you hold onto, they will rewire the circuitry in your brain. And so if you're always thinking on negative things, 
then your mind will create these patterns and these pathways to respond in negative ways regardless of what happens. If it is positive because you have these patterns and these pathways of responding with negativity, you're gonna respond with negativity. Your mind is gonna think, this is terrible, this is hopeless. And it gets to the point that even though you wanna try to break it, it becomes immeasurably difficult to try to break these patterns because you put them into practice for so long. But, but I'm not here to, to devastate us. I'm not here to, to, to communicate that there is no hope. You are not at the mercy of your mind. I want you to understand that. Because even though you may have these destructive patterns in your, in your way of thinking, what Paul says should give us hope. Paul says that your mind can be renewed. That no matter what you used to think, no matter what state you were in, your mind can be renewed. And that leads to the beginning of changing your life. It's two types of minds we could have. Are we gonna have a carnal mind? A mind that sets its thoughts on the flesh? Or a spiritual mind? Romans 8, 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is what? Life and peace. Not simply existing, but living. Not anxiety, but peace. Another translation says, a carnal mind leads to death. But a spiritual mind, that leads to life and peace. Do we have a spiritual mind? When we have a mind that, that thinks in spiritual patterns that come from God's word, the Bible says we will have life and peace. A spiritual mind accomplishes that. Now, now it doesn't say spiritually gifted. Paul doesn't say those who are spiritually gifted will have life and peace. Because you can be spiritually gifted, you could be anointed and still be agitated. People in ministry, worship team, teachers, listen to this. You can come up here and you can lead out of your spiritual gift, but you still don't have life and peace because your mind has not been renewed. And your spiritual gift may bless other people. Your spiritual gift may help change other people. I know too many preachers, I was one of them, that I could help people with what I teach, but my mind was not renewed. Your spiritual gifts help other people, but if, if you want to be changed, it requires a spiritual mind. He says a spiritual mind brings life and peace. Not spiritual application. Not spiritual directives. Not spiritual duties. See, you can come to church and still not have life and peace. You can pray. And while you're praying, there's peace. But if your mind is not a spiritual mind set on the things of God, when you're done praying, so is your peace. Listen to what Isaiah 26, 3, it says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is what? Stayed, Stayed on you. 
Because he trusts you. Because I trust you, God. I'm releasing to you my life. Not just once, but every day. Because I got you. I need you. So take my thinking. My mind is stayed on you often. Do you know we can come to church and we, 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 can, we can feel the joy of the Lord and our, our burdens feel lightened and, and, and during worship we, we feel the weight lifted off our shoulders and then we leave here and then all of a sudden worry comes back. And we're wondering, why? Oh, what happened? When I was in worship, I felt so free, but, but now I feel so constricted. I feel so, because your mind was stayed on him while you were here. Because the pastor says, repeat this after me and read that and write that down. You have no choice unless you close your eyes and fall asleep to be stayed on his word while you're here. But then when you leave, you take it off of his word, off of his person. And you put it to social media. You put it to your news channel. You put it to the new celebrity status. And that is what's creating these patterns in your brain. These patterns that our lives have been conforming to instead of us being free and releasing our mind. And then what church becomes, and sadly for, for so many people, it becomes 70 minutes of us feeling relief instead of us actually being renewed. We go and, and we, feel, we feel new and then we go back in the world, but our life has not stayed on him. And so we battle with, with, with all these, these, these problems because of our, our, our thinking patterns. And then we come back to church and instead of continuing to be renewed and continuing to, to grow in sanctification, we need relief from everything that happens. And we get inspired again, but we don't stay on him. And we continue this cycle. I don't want this church to be a, a place where we only experience relief one hour a week, but a place where we experience renewal every time we come so we can make a difference in our city, so we can make a difference in our family. And if, if we don't want simply relief, but we want resurrection power and we want renewal, we need to release our minds. Look to a few people. Look in the eyes right now. Tell them, is your mind released? Don't put this on social media because that without context sounds new age. Now we've talked about this. What does a mind released look like? Romans 8, 7, it continues. It says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We have these two minds, those that are carnal, those who are in the flesh, and those that are spiritual, those that are in God. And he's saying that a carnal mind, a fleshly mind, it cannot please God because it is hostile to him and it doesn't submit to his ways. So if we keep our mind in the world, we're never gonna be able to be all that God wants us to be. We'll never embrace God will provide with a carnal mind. Because we'll look at five loaves and two fish and say, that's not enough. There's no way that can work out because your mind isn't submitted to the will of God because your mind hasn't been renewed. It can't put to test and prove that God's will is good. A, a carnal mind can, can never embrace God will use me because it'll look at the problems of your past and your history and say, you haven't done enough to overcome that. God will never use you. Whose hands are molding your mind? 
What is conforming your thinking patterns? We need a mind that has been transformed by God and not one that is conformed to the world. So we're going to talk about this, this process. This is going to take some time, okay? This, this is like, it's going to be like a textbook for the next few weeks. If you miss one week, you're going to miss a whole lot. You're going to fail the test. You're going to have to go back and study it, get your GED so that you can grow and you can see transformation. This is a process. But the last thing I want to leave us with today, how can we have a renewed mind? This is the last thing I want to give you to help us grow into all that God wants us to be. Here's what I want you to write down. My mind becomes renewed when I release it from the ways of the world and set it on the ways of the word. Again, Christians, this is not for somebody else. This is for you. Don't say he's telling us to read the Bible. We know that. Read the Bible, pray, got it, and that you miss it. This is living. This is active. This is powerful. This is what changes this. You're not going to change your life by trying to change your life. You need to change your mind. And renewal comes from God's words. And when you spend time in his word, it transforms your thinking. When the more you spend time reading his word and committing it to memory and hiding it in your heart, it will affect your mind. It will come out to play when you need it the most. As our worship team comes out, I want to read this final passage as we prepare to to end today. Philippians 4, 4, it says this, and this is not something a carnal mind can understand. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. A carnal mind says, how can I rejoice in every single situation? But that's not what it says. It says, rejoice always. It's talking about in every situation, not for every situation. I can rejoice always. I can train my mind to give God praise even though things aren't good. And what that does, that rewires my mind to have a positive perspective. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you are with me. God, I'm not thanking you that I'm in this, that, that, that I have this situation, but I'm thanking you that you're with me in this situation and that you make a way out and that you're going to use this to grow me. Rejoice always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. Not your, hey, let go and let God. And, and no weapon formed against me will prosper. And I'm more than a conqueror. Yeah, prove it. No, let your reasonableness, let your way of living that isn't fanatical be, be, be shown to everyone. Because the Lord, he, he's at hand. He's here. He's with you. You don't have to make, you know, large hand movements and talk out loud. His presence is with you. Always. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, he tells us how. How? In everything by prayer and supplication, meaning you're telling things to God with thanksgiving, God. But thank you. We don't have everything that we need right now, but we have you and you're our provider. Thank you that, we, that, that, that our family is still together even though everyone's sick this year. Thank you, God, that even though we don't have the money to, to purchase a thing, we still have our health. We still have each other. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, and the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, all understanding, it won't, just, it won't just fill you. It will guard your heart 
and the weak vessel, your mind. I love this because we, we pray for these things that we want. And God knows what we want, but more so he knows what we need. And instead of always giving us what we want, he gives us what we need. We pray for provision and God gives us peace. We pray for protection. We pray for our family and God gives us what we need. He gives us peace in our lives. The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, he tells us how to do this. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. We ask these two questions every week. What's God teaching you? What are you gonna do about it? I don't know what God's putting on your heart. I know what I've taught you from God's word, but let me tell you what you can do about it. Put it into practice. Think about these things. Yes, pick up God's word and read it in 2022. It will renew your mind. It will transform your life. We have an app. You can watch sermons and take notes and you click more and then there's Bible and it takes you to a Bible, a digital Bible and there's plans there, little, little, little behind the scenes. It's really just you version. We just ripped off of you know, the most downloaded Bible in the entire world. If you have you version, use it. Start a reading plan. I would encourage you, don't start in Genesis or Leviticus or Numbers or Deuteronomy. Start, start in John. Re read this account of of. Jesus, the God of love, written from one of the disciples who was so passionately and practically in love with him. And then from there, go to Acts. Listen, it doesn't make sense for you to read something that's not gonna inspire you, but it won't do anything unless you pick it up and read it. Put these things into practice and the God of peace will be with you. It may not make sense, but it will rewire your mind and peace will fill your hearts. This is how we release our minds. This is how we experience real transformation. This is how we begin to let go to God so that God can go and do all that he wants to do in our lives. It starts with the mind. So I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet right now. that's you, if, if your mind has been set and stayed on things of this world, if you find yourself spending more time on your phone than with your family, if you can't wait till the sermon is over so you can check the score or sell the thing or, you know, offload the Bitcoin, release that to God. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.